Let's pray for tonight and pray as we dig into your word, continue this series on on uh, how your son blazed the trail and other trailblazers. God, may you just move in a mighty way. May you show us uh, something new tonight or just show us in a, just in a deeper way something we've already learned and known our whole lives, God. We pray for this time. Pray for our time in our small group. We pray you're just glorified and you speak uh, to each one of us in a way that we need to hear. In my pray. Amen. All right, come up here and go ahead and grab your Bibles, grab a pen, grab a highlighter, please. Leave your phones if you don't mind. I would really appreciate that. We'll be in Luke 23, so you guys can go ahead and get there. Luke 23. I feel like y'all should like start putting your Bible in one particular place so you know where it is quicker. Let me get you. Luke 23, Luke 23. What? Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. About to stab me? I think you're about to stab me. No, I would never. Oh, you know what? Hard. What? Hard. He wants to have me hard. All right. So we're on break trail where we've been on a journey towards Easter. Of course, we had Easter Sunday this past this past Sunday, but we can study. Easter all year long, right? It's not just right, like, you know, relegated to one Sunday a year. So let me ask you this question. I have a question for you. Who is the kindest person that you know? The kindest person. Jordan said herself. Would, does anybody believe? No, I'm just kidding. I don't believe You know, I don't believe. No. All right, who is the kindest person you know? My mom and my best friend. Your mom and your best friend. I heard you. Your mom. Who's the kindest person you know? Sai is the kindest person you know? Yeah. Yeah? Also my little brother. Your little brother? Also, she's my two. I can't be doing stuff like that. Uh, Leah? Talking about Leah? Yeah. That, that, that one right? That's a, okay. Huh? Who's the kindest people you know? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Zach, who's the kindest person you know? Oh, okay. What makes that person kind? Well, what makes that person kind, though? Spicy snacks? What kind of snacks? Spicy snacks. Okay. What makes, what makes that person kind? Just let them kiss your hand, Logan. It's fine, then we'll get started. All right. <laughs> Hello, buddy. Welcome back. What makes that person kind? What makes the person that you said who's your kindest person you know, which is Jordan? What makes Jordan so kind? Yeah, I'm sorry. That's... <laughs> what you're what? Generous. Okay. Loyal. 
Hopefully, mothers are kind. Most of the time, they are. All right. Well, not all moms are kind. I mean, sometimes you meet somebody who's just who's just a genuinely kind person. If if you're anything like me, I, I love super kind people, but they also make me think. You know, I, I thought I was a pretty good person, but compared to them, I'm not even close to like their level of, of kindness. Right? Bless you. So let me ask you this question: What does it mean to be a good person? Completely perfect. Overall good. That they're just they're good. What are some of the characteristics that would make a person good as opposed to bad? They're kind. Look at there. They're they're generous. What? They do good things. They're honest. Okay. What makes a person a bad person? They do bad things. They do bad things. I don't know what the opposite downstanding is, but bad. Bad? We'll say bad person. Yeah, that that works. That's a bad person. That's a bad person. What makes a person a bad person? Negative. They're negative. She's a volleyball player, that's what she does. Hopefully over the nets, but... They go out of their way to be a jerk. They go out of their way to be a jerk. They're negative about everything. Mason, what makes a person a bad person? Showing up late in church. Yeah. Meanness. I guess. Most of the time... Let me ask you this another question. Where do you find most of your friends? Do you find them mostly mostly good people or mostly bad people? Maybe they're kind of in the between. My friends are in between. Most of your friends, what do you think? Gotcha. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, most of the time, most people, most of us want to be good people. We want to feel good about who we are. We want other people to agree with us. But sometimes we don't feel like we're good people. Sometimes we don't tell the whole truth. We let our tempers or our attitudes get the best of us. Uh, we take risks that hurt somebody else. We try to do nice things for someone, but it backfires. Or we miss a chance to show up for somebody who, who needed you because you were busy, tired, or distracted. We want to be good, but it's not always easy. So if you're worried your mistakes make you a quote-unquote a bad person, a failure or a disappointment to God, I, I want to talk about something we celebrated this past week, which was what we call Good Friday. The last couple of weeks, we've been making a journey toward Jesus by talking about the ways that Jesus blazed new trails for us through his life and his death and his resurrection. And like we said last week, there's a hiking term called Breaking trail is what you do when you encounter deep snow. That's tough to navigate. You send one person through, make the trail for other people to go through, and, and makes it a little easier to walk through. Obviously, are going to be taking on a, a literal hike with Jesus, but as we've seen, Jesus broke new trails for us when it comes to understanding who God is. The way he described God and talked about God was completely different 
than what they were learning. Jesus broke new trails for us when it comes to being close with God because, I mean, he's God who's walking with him in the flesh. And he broke new trails for us when it comes to loving others like God loves us because that's who Jesus was. He was a God of love. So far, we've seen two ways Jesus blazed new trails for us. And through his example, Jesus showed us his way isn't the way most people would choose. It's actually better. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 23, 32 is where we'll be in this moment. Luke 23, 32. So, so far we've seen two ways Jesus blazed new trails. And so, um, when two of his best friends betrayed him, that's the first week, Jesus showed them that us that he never gives up on us, right? That was two weeks ago. When Judas betrayed him and Peter denied him, we had two guys who did two things that they shouldn't have done to Jesus and we saw how one was restored and one was not restored, right? And so he showed us that he's, he doesn't give up on us. And when he suffered physically and emotionally, Jesus showed us he understands our pain. And today we're going to see a third way Jesus plays a new trail for us. And this time Jesus said yet another new standard for loving God and others. In case you haven't noticed, we've been following Jesus' Easter journey these last two weeks and starting this week here in, in chronological order. Like the things we're talking about the last two weeks and the rest of this time, they're going to be in, in the order of his last week. In week one we saw Jesus betrayed by his friends on the night of his arrest. On week two we saw Jesus beaten, tortured and mocked on his way to the cross. And this week, we'll find Jesus on the cross in the last moments before his death. So we're going just in the order of the last couple of days. This is the day that we call Good Friday. It's the day 2,000 years ago when Jesus, an innocent man, hung dying between two criminals. Most people gathered that day to watch the execution. They saw three bad guys, all deserving of death, right? But Jesus showed us something new. So Luke... 2332. Follow along with me there in the Bible. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There's also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So while Jesus was in his last moments on the cross, he chose to spend some of his final breaths communicating with one of the men dying alongside him. I don't know if you guys, has anybody ever seen The Passion of the Christ? It's a pretty hard movie to watch. Or if you've ever read and studied up on the crucifixion, what they did, and how hard it was just to be able to breathe. Jesus would have every right to focus on himself and his pain and, and being able to breathe. I mean, he, it was his right. He's there on the cross, hanging on the cross. He had every right to try to prolong his life, right? The pain that he was experiencing had to have been excruciating. 
But instead, Jesus chose to show kindness to the man suffering beside him. He invited a convicted criminal to join him in the afterlife where there would be no more suffering. This bad man, if you will, was resigned to his fate. He was there on the cross. He was going to die. He knew that he made mistakes and he believed that he deserved the, the you know, death for his crimes. He didn't even ask Jesus to give him anything. He just asked that Jesus would remember him. So Jesus went further than the man and requested and promised he would be with Jesus in paradise. Jesus' kindness was twofold here. Jesus' kindness extended into eternity with this gift of eternal life, right? Because now this guy has a chance to spend eternity with God. That's kind of a big deal. But Jesus' kindness also comforted the dying man in the last moments of his life. Even while he was suffering, Jesus was thinking of people like you and me. There's ever a time when we have all could have forgiven Jesus for focusing on the pain and himself and the suffering and the loss that was going to it was probably heavy in this moment. It was this moment. If he would just focus on himself, we, we could have forgiven him for that. But Jesus, even his painful, broken place, he chose to show love to somebody who the world deemed not worthy. This world said, this guy's guilty, we're going to crucify him. Jesus said, no, I want to show this guy love. Continue on in verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So that's about noon to three. While the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating the breast. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was a day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. So immediately after Jesus died, the crowd realized the weight of what they had done. They finally understood they killed an innocent man, so they just kind of all went home. But if it was so obvious... Jesus wasn't exactly who he said he was, or he was who he said he was. Why didn't these people realize it before they killed him? To answer that question, Paul, the same early church leader we talked about last week, is going to tell you this in Philippians chapter 2. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians 2, 5. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I love this little section of, of Philippians 2 about the humility of Jesus and how he didn't, he, he was in, he's, he's God, right? He was in heaven. It says he was in heaven sitting at the right hand of God. And he said he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He emptied his full godness and, and, and emptied, you know, he, he left heaven and came to earth. So he could die in our place. It's kind of a big deal. It says, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus could have come to earth in, in a display of, of power and authority and let everybody know exactly who he was. That's kind of who the Jewish people were looking for in their Messiah, was this guy who's going to come in and overthrow the Roman rulers and like kill everybody with the sword. That's kind of who they thought their Messiah was going to be. Jesus could have done that. But he didn't. Instead, Jesus chose humility over power. Jesus chose sacrifice over selfishness. Jesus chose kindness over control. Jesus chose in his life and death, Jesus consistently chose us over himself. That's what love looks like. Jesus looked at one of those bad guys dying alongside him. He didn't shame the guy. He didn't reject the guy. He didn't tell him it was too late. Jesus welcomed and embraced him with love. And like that criminal, you and I have done a lot of things that break God's heart. But just like that man discovered, Jesus shows us his love when he looks at us as well. I want to make sure you guys understand and get this. The God, the, Jesus shows us his love in, in the biggest way possible. You can say you're a good person. You can say you're a great person. The Bible's going to tell you you're not. You can seek and believe it in your heart that you are a good person. But you deserve to die on that cross in this place. I deserve to die on that cross in this place. But instead, because of his love, he did it for us. Everything Jesus did was done out of love for people like you and me. But this moment on the cross shows a very specific kind of love. It shows us that the love of Jesus is compassionate. That it's gentle. That it's kind. That it's unconditional. Jesus doesn't just love us in theory. He loves us personally. I wish you understand that. Jesus doesn't love us in theory. He loves us personally. He knows you. Psalm 139 talks about He knew you before you were born. He, he knew how many hairs are on your head. He knows you. Intimately, he knows who you are. He loves you personally, not just a random number in the system. He knows you personally. He knows your name. He loves us in a way that doesn't just give us hope for life after death, but cares for us now. And each week we'll be talking not only about how Jesus has blazed trails for us, but how, how ordinary people have been trailblazers as well. And one trailblazer I want to introduce you to is Florence Nightingale. Florence lived about 200 years ago in England during the days of the Crimean War. When Florence was 30 years old, she wrote in a letter to her sister, she said this, God called me in the morning and asked me would I do good for him alone without reputation. You know, basically saying, would I, would I do things for God? Would I serve God for him and him alone without anybody giving me applause or saying, hey, great job, thanks for doing that for God, just for him and him alone. 
Shortly afterwards, she saw the way the Christian community in Germany was caring for the sick and her life changed forever. During the Crimean War, Florence heard about the many wounded soldiers suffering and dying from the injuries without care. Florence made it her mission to show those soldiers the love and compassion of Jesus by caring for their physical needs. But Florence didn't just show up on the front lines to help for one or two people personally. She did a whole lot more. Florence contacted the government officials to help find a solution. She designed new ways of caring for the sick and the wounded. She identified new medical and hygiene practices that saved lives. She managed and trained nurses wherever she went. And she laid the foundation for medical care that we still use today all over the world. I mean, she changed the face of nursing. She pretty much invented nursing as we kind of know it today. I mean, she's a trailblazer. A newspaper once said of Florence, she is a ministering angel without any exaggeration in these hospitals. That's what they call her, ministering angel. If we were to follow Florence's lead and do good for God alone, without reputation, what would that look like? Just thinking about that. What would that look like for you? To do good for God alone, without reputation, without worrying what people are going to say about it, or how, what kind of applause you're going to get from people, but doing it for God alone. This is the kind of thing that can happen when you experience the compassionate love of God for yourself. It changes you. You, can't, you cannot have an encounter with God and walk away unchanged. You can't. You can't walk out there across the street and get hit by a bus and walk away unchanged. You're going to have an encounter with a bus, you're going to feel it. If you have an encounter with God who's a little bit bigger than a bus, you're going to have a significant change in your life. It changes you. And then it compels you to share that same love with other people. Because we're called to love God and to love people. Jesus compassionately cared for the criminal hanging next to him. And by showing him love, Jesus didn't just care for him in eternity. He cared for him while he was alive and while he was hurting there next to him. In the same way, Florence compassionately cared for the sick, wounded, and dying <coughs> as a response to the love that God has shown her. She didn't just care for those people's souls, but for their bodies as well. And the kind of love Jesus demonstrated and that Florence imitated wasn't conditional. It wasn't reserved only for people who were good or for deserving or looked like her or, or were worth it or had the money. God, she did it for everybody. And the same is for, true for God. God's love is available to everybody, period. No matter what you believe, no matter what you think, God's love is available to everybody. So what about us? How do you need to respond to the love that Jesus has shown you today? Do you need to receive his love for the first time, like the man who died beside him on the cross? Do you need to come back to his love after drifting away from him for a time? How can you show the compassion and love of Jesus to others even if you're not quite sure that they deserve it. Because it's hard to love people sometimes. But Jesus broke a new trail for us by modeling a love that is given freely without condition. It says everybody is loved no matter what. A love that secures our eternity after this life is over. And a love and compassionately that cares for us right here and right now. Because we're all a mess. If you're what you say, we're all a mess. None of us are as good as we wish we could be. None of us are as good as we think we are. But even so, Jesus shows us love 
that is kind and compassionate and gracious. And in His name, we can reflect that same love to other people. Because when we first we encounter God's love, it is only natural that we begin to show God's love to other people. Let's pray. God, may we, may we truly believe and, and understand that you do love us. And maybe this is the first time we just we're hearing about that love. God, may you just wreck our world. May we see that we need that love in our life, and that we um, we don't leave here without talking to somebody and just getting that right with you, God, and just, and just realizing that we need that love. Maybe somebody here tonight is, has been loving others like you love them, and may they just see the need to be more loving and compassionate, God, and just to be more like you. May you put somebody in their heart where they can show more love and more grace and compassion to, and then they, they practice those things, God, and then they um, show love to those people who need your love. I pray for this next little bit of time in our small groups. May you just continue to work in their hearts and their minds. In the name I pray. Amen.